What is up guys, it's Aaron and welcome back or welcome to Delicate Database. If you are new to this podcast, go ahead and check out my introduction video and give that a listen just to get a feel of what this podcast is about. If this is your first time listening, hello, and if this is more than your first time listening, I guess, welcome back. So today, due to popular demand, we're going to go back to machine learning. You know, I got a lot of emails, which was great, guys. Thank you so much of people telling me, oh, I really like this about your machine learning thing. I really like this. Could you do this again? Could you do this again? So I did a bit of research, and I guess today we're going to be talking about random forests. So with that said, let's go straight into it. So a big part of machine learning is classification. We kind of want to know in day-to-day life what a certain class or certain group belong to. Now, the ability to kind of precisely classify these observations is very, very, and I can't stress this enough, very useful for business applications. For example, when you're like a startup company and you're trying to predict what somebody will buy or somebody won't buy, you're going to kind of sort people into groups, you're going to kind of find your target audience to really maximize your profits. So in data science, you're going to find that there are a number of classification algorithms, such as logistic regression, decision trees, support vector machine, and many, many more. That's just to name a few. But what we're going to talk about today is random forest classifier. So before we actually start to speak about random forest, we're kind of going to go to its building blocks, which is decision trees. Now, believe it or not, you have probably used decision trees before without knowing you're actually doing it. So let's say you had a group of students. Now, this group of students would be your data set. I guess in general, the main purpose of this decision tree is to be able to split up your data set, in this case, given students, in a perfect way for you to analyze. This can be done by asking a series of questions, quote unquote. So for example, let's say I have a group of students, mixed boys and girls, and my first question would be, separate yourselves into boys and girls. Already I can already see some distinct differences in my data and I have two different sets of groups. Now I can take this further by asking different hair colors, different heights, different shoe sizes, you name it, and I can filter out this data into distinct groups which I can then analyze and use for different purposes. The term I believe that is used when the data is split is known as a node, that's N-O-D-E, node. And the way it works is that, so for example, I have my group of students, I would ask the question, separate yourselves into boys and into girls. Now where the split occurs is a node. So in real life, or in more computer science, I guess, terms, what is generally happening here is that the computer is basically asking itself, is asking itself what feature will allow me to split the observations at hand in a way that the resulting groups are as different from each other as possible. Now, think of it like this. That was just a decision tree. The reason I say just is because comparing it to a random forest, it's basically loads and loads. And by loads, I mean a lot of different decision trees working to just get the optimum piece of data. In data science, so to speak, it is basically a large number of relatively uncorrelated models, namely trees, operating as a committee that will outperform any of the individual constituent models. Now, the way I like to think of this is going back to our student analogy. Basically, if I ask 
one person to do that. They, their first question of splitting this data, their first node might be boys and girls. I could ask another person and their first node might be age, people who are above 15, people who are below 15. And if I have tons and tons of people asking these questions to split this data, I'm going to get different results at my end because, you know, different people will approach the problem at different things. Throw back to my problem solving episode. Go ahead and give that a listen if you haven't already. A key word here is uncorrelated. The reason I say this is because if you have an uncorrelated model, it can produce loads of predictions that are more accurate than an individual prediction. My reason for this is that the, with the random forest, you're kind of helping each other. All the different trees in this random forest are helping each other from errors. Now, going back to my student example, let's say I had 100 people try and separate that data. Maybe five of those people have split that data up in a way that is just completely useless to me. I have girls and boys in the same group with different ages, different sizes. There's no way for me to distinctly see the different data I've got here. So let's say I had 10 people doing that, but I I would have had 90 people who would have split the data for me in a way which I could have analysed and used. But these 10 people are kind of the errors in this whole thing. But I can kind of count them out because I have 90 or 90 or so good pieces of data, quote unquote, that are kind of going to be produced. So when I take an average of everything, or when I kind of put it all into one thing, I'm going to get a result that is majority, majority, that is a majority of the good data of the 90 rather than having some of the bad data of the 10. I hope that kind of made sense. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that in that case, the good data outpowers the bad data. So you might be thinking, okay, Aaron, that's great and all, but how does the computer actually kind of tell itself, okay, this data is different, these two pieces of data are uncorrelated, this reduces error in this way? Well, the random forest algorithm kind of does a clever thing which I like to call bagging or bootstrap. I say I like to call, which is called bagging slash bootstrap aggregation. Now, the way in which it does this is that it makes a slight alteration which can actually significantly affect the final results, but it makes a slight alteration to the data set. So for example, let's say my data set or my test data or my training data was 100 students. Now this, these students just happen to be split into a 50-50, so 50 boys and 50 girls. Now to get a different set of data or to slightly alter my, my data set or my training data, I might say, okay, let's have 60 girls and 40 boys. 40 boys, 60 girls, whichever way I want to alter it. And this will give me a different groups at the end of my decision tree, if that kind of made sense. So I won't really get data that is exactly the same, but that is completely in relation to another set of data. Another way in which Random Forest ensures that data isn't too correlated or isn't identical is by this thing called feature randomness. Now usually when you're given a data set or training data in a decision tree, you kind of want to be asking the questions that split up the group or the pack by the most. So for example with my students, the basic, the probably the easiest way to split them up would be boys and girls. There may be another question but just off the top of my head would be boys and girls. That is a decision tree. In a random forest however, I will set set questions that can split up my data so for example let's say let's say this was my process i'm going to walk you through the process i have 100 students i've set 
my the decision tree can split it up boys and girls that's that's the kind of easiest way to split it in a random forest i've said i can split this data up via three questions boys and girls shoe size and how old they are now in addition to this going back to my bagging where i've altered the test data this is going to cause an incredible amount of variation. Honestly, you should try it. I kind of did like a little experiment with my friends before I actually, just, just to make sure what I was talking about was correct. And it actually worked. It creates a massive variation of data because if you imagine it as the original data has been altered. So let's say I can now have one boy and 99 girls due to bagging. And if I split that boys and girls, that's a 1 to 99 split. Comparing it to 50-50, that's a 50-50 split. You kind of see what I'm going at here. And you kind of ask the same same question, or you change the question slightly, and you kind of can get you would you wouldn't believe how many different how, how many different routes you could take which would alter your data. So as you can see, like the final data you can get can be changed by bagging, which is changing the original, basically slightly tweaking the original data, keeping the amount of data you have the same. So for example, 100 students, that is my constant. I'm keeping that the same, but I'm changing the number or the gender the gender of the students I have. That's kind of bagging. Um, feature randomness is kind of setting set questions in addition to this bagging, causing more alterations. So to kind of sum that all up, if that didn't really make sense, in a random forest, the way we get uncorrelated data is due to bagging which is basically changing the data sets but also using different features or different questions to make these decisions so to really pack that all up in a nice paragraph um, i got it i got this thing from an article by tony Yu. he said the random forest is a classification algorithm consisting of many decision trees. It uses bagging and feature randomness when building each individual tree to try to create an uncorrelated forest of trees whose prediction by committee is more accurate than any individual tree. So I hope that made sense. If you have listened up to this far, thank you so, so much. And don't forget to keep those emails coming because it's really nice seeing them. The support you guys give me is great and I just really appreciate it. So thank you so much. And yeah, if you have listened up to this far, I really, really do appreciate it. It really does go a long way. Go ahead and check out my other um, episodes if you haven't already. I thought I'd give myself a challenge today. It's not the easiest thing I would like. It's probably the hardest thing I've had to explain, but it has been fun learning about it and just getting to really understand random forest to an extent to a beginner's extent um take everything i said in here with a pinch of salt you know this is information i've got from the internet which might not always be 100 percent correct just a quick disclaimer there but yeah if you have listened up to this far thank you so much i really do appreciate it go ahead and drop me an email about any questions about myself or this podcast which you want to know i'll see you guys in the next time peace <laughs>